So hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Interesting. I'm Alex Marsh and I'm here today with Marcin Baszczewski and Ina And uh, Marcin is a biologist and Ina um, is our guest astrophysicist this week. And we're here today to talk about black holes. So I think it'd be a really good place to start uh, for Ines to tell us what a black hole is. Exactly. So thank you for the introduction, uh, first of all. And then, yeah, we heard in the last two weeks a lot about these uh, black holes. And just to explain it very briefly, so a black hole is just a great amount of matter that is packed into a very small area. So that results in a yeah, super strong uh, gravitational field where nothing, so not even light, uh, can escape. I mean, who knows, maybe Chuck Norris can escape, but we have to test that. <laughs> so that is my, my summary of what a black hole is. Fantastic. And can you tell us a bit more about what happened this week particularly? Yeah, so I think the announcement was uh, Wednesday, 10th of April. It was a big announcement by ESO and uh, Event Horizon Telescope uh, collaboration team. And yeah, they released the first ever uh, visual image of a black hole. So I think the main point here is really that... Uh, they have had these calculations, the theories, and models that kind of predicted of how a black hole would look like, so based on their computer simulations. And the breakthrough um, result here was that they could now, for the first time, show as an image of, of a black hole. So that was very, very impressive. And I think there is a lot more to come after that. So, I mean, so this is really cool stuff because, you know, I, I have a son who is seven years old and um, he, he's all into all kinds of topics of space and, and stars. And uh, he found a, a video on YouTube you know, comparing size and mass of various things in the universe. And uh, mm -hmm. at the very end of it, there is this gigantic black hole somewhere, the name of which I forgot. He would know, but I forgot, <laughs> that has this billions upon billions of solar masses. And I think the one that they announced this week was actually not far off because uh, I've seen this image in a webcomic comparing our solar system you know, to, the, to the black center that they showed yesterday yeah. and our system could easily fit into that. I mean, this is just you know, mind-boggling when you think about it. So it's a yeah. black hole the size of our solar system or bigger than our solar system? Yeah, actually you read on the, on the web that it's six times the size of our solar system. And so if you really, if you compare that, so our solar system having uh, one star in it with one solar mass, and then you look to that um, black hole, and that's six times the size of our solar system, but has a mass of 6.5 billion times of the, the solar mass. So I think that's really mind-blowing. And yeah, I'm actually also curious to, to hear from both of you, like what do you think of that uh, finding, and what do you think of uh, the fact that they call that region, uh, that dark region that you see, that they call that shadow like does it yeah how, how did it feel for you <laughs> well i think it's just crazy how big it is and it also you know what makes me want to ask a lot of questions about you know how you know how can they be sure that it is a black hole you know <laughs> yeah and and, and martin well, I mean, I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of these, these objects because I remember when I was a kid, you know, that was in the 80s probably, I, I remember reading about this uh, Cygnus X1 source, which I think was rumored back then to, to contain mm -hmm. a binary system of black hole and I think a neutron star. And I was maybe seven or, or, or six and I thought, wow, I mean, that's just unbelievable, you know. And, 
And I'm not sure if the Cygnus has ever been confirmed to be a black hole, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, I love these objects. Yeah, no, they are, they're very interesting, that's for sure. And yeah, I also find it uh, mind-blowing. I just read that up in, the, in a paper of the Event Horizon telescope team um, that they said that supermassive black holes are supposed to be in the centers of nearly all galaxies. So yeah, I mean, having something like that in nearly the centers of all galaxies with masses of 6.5 billion solar masses is... Yeah, you don't want to be close to that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure not. I'm sure not. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the the fact that they trap everything, including light, you know, I it it just gives me a headache, you know, when I think about this, yeah. that you know, that something can be so powerful, you know, gravitationally, that yeah. yeah, it just keeps everything in it. Oh, it's it is definitely tough to kind of process in, in your mind. But I just have to say that I like how the public um, received that information. Um, I I was curious to see how long they will be talking about it, and I have to say I like some ideas that came up along the way. Like there were people um, suggesting to Dunkin' Donuts or a supermarket store called Lidl, like, oh, can we maybe do like uh, you know some themed uh, black hole donuts? <laughs> so basically, because the image shows the black hole with that um, with like um, orange reddish. Uh, circle around it and they were like oh can't we do donuts in that color and that would be nice or i don't know i i found that very nice <laughs> i guess it does kind of have the topology of a donut i suppose yes yes i even saw a, a image of homer uh, homer simpson eating uh, the black hole <laughs> yeah. and one thing i was expecting sort of expecting was that um uh when they imaged it they would it would remind or resemble a little bit um, what we could see in this uh, film uh, Interstellar um, that I know that uh, Kip Thorne was working on, you know, to advise the, the movie makers about the mm -hmm. shape and the, and the color of black hole. But um, I guess that's one of these disappointments of an of a, of a image rendering, you know, versus reality. Mm -hmm. um, but, oh, uh, of course. I mean, in the future, it would be nice to get uh, higher resolution images. And I think they're already discussing uh, how to get there. I think they're discussing about putting up uh, telescopes in space um, or I don't know, even placing it on the moon and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that's definitely the goal to get higher resolution images um, to yeah get some, let's say, pretty pictures of, of black holes too. Yeah. Well, that's going to be pretty challenging because I mean, they used quite a number of telescopes to be able to mm -hmm. get this image. Yeah. That's that's for sure. But you know, nothing's impossible. <laughs> we can we always have to dream big. I think that's that's most important. And who knows? Maybe in I don't know five ten years, we're able to put these telescopes up in space and just do some black hole observations from there. You never know. I mean, how big would you need it to be? Are you thinking more than one telescope, or you know, to to move into the telescopes in space? Uh, I I think. I mean, also the fact that they we're building a telescope on Earth that, uh, when you sum it up, uh, has the size of the whole Earth, um, speaks to itself that you really, you, you need a network of telescopes and a race to work together, I think. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it requires a lot of collaboration, global yes. collaboration between a lot of scientists to be able to yeah. do that. Yeah, and I always find that very impressive. I mean, it, it's not easy to collaborate um, over such a great distance 
uh, and so many different teams are involved. So I, I think this is really awesome to show that that it does work and that great things come out of that. That's good. That's really nice. I mean, have there been any um, crazy findings in your fields that you will always remember where there was also some international collaboration involved? Well, that's a good question. I mean, in biology, it's slightly different because the teams mm -hmm. are typically smaller. I mean, you, you're talking about maybe, you know, if if a paper has 15 people on it, you know, then that's that's a big collaboration. Unless you talk about something like Human Genome Project, you know, back in, I think it was in 2000, maybe it was 98 or 2000, you know, when they mm -hmm. published the first Human Genome Draft, and that was a massive list of authors. But, you know, I think that's probably less typical than most astronomy collaborations, I would have thought. What about you, mm -hmm. Alex? So in aerosol science, I guess there are groups that work kind of in, in small collaborations and then there are global collaborations to measure air quality across the globe and assess mm -hmm. how that impacts on people's health, you know, worldwide really. Yes. There would definitely be a lot of um, papers that you would see that would have 50 plus authors on from all over the globe, taking measurements all over the globe. So it definitely is a field where, aerosol science is a field where you would have a lot of um, international collaboration, definitely. I mean, maybe not quite to the scale we've seen with this imaging of the black hole, but mm -hmm. definitely there is a lot of um, international work going on there. Yeah, and I think that's really, really cool because, I mean, you know, I think, and I personally feel that this is the way to do it, right? You know, it has mm -hmm. to be a collaborative effort, you know, and international. And, I mean, I, I personally find science one of these, you know, universally unifying um, activities that people, you know, just, just come together, you know, from different walks of life and, different educational systems and they work together, you know, to get yeah. something really amazing. And I I think, you know, in particular these days, you know, I think in this divided world, you know, this is really good to see that mm -hmm. this can be done and, and so successfully. Yeah, and driven primarily by curiosity, wanting to find the answer to things that we don't know the answer to. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I totally agree with both of you. I think this is so important to show that um, there are these collaborations that, that we really should work together. I mean, that's something during my PhD, <clears throat> I I was observing these situations a bit where I thought, oh man, I, I just wish that people would work um, or collaborate more and rather than just keeping results and, and codes and everything just to themselves or confine it to, I don't know, a group of four people. Uh, I don't know. I think you're more successful if you if you share and work together. But I guess that also de depends on, on the area that you're um, working on, etc. But that's something that I, I noticed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, there's definitely a move towards um, open access papers, and I've noticed that more since I moved into industry. There are a lot of open access papers out there that you can read that are incredibly interesting. But you know, you don't have to. There's not a paywall up that you know you yeah. have to get past in order to be able to read the really interesting uh, topics that are you know being researched out there. Yeah, and I think that's that's great. I mean, there's of course there are you know still areas you know to explore and improve. Because in particular, when you look at the likes of clinical studies, you know this is still mm -hmm. an area which is very much grey. And I think you know that may be a topic of our next web webcast at some point. That yeah. these companies, some of them at least, you know they don't publish results which are not positive. And I think you know <laughs> science needs all results, including negative results. And mm -hmm. um, these and, companies don't do this. And repeat experiments as well. I think there's a massive reluctance to repeat a study that someone has already done. But you need to be able to reproduce results, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Uh, I think that's so 
all of these super good points. Um, and I think I think even my brother, when he wrote his master thesis in economy, <laughs> I think he, he told me he was super disappointed because he wrote his master thesis. And then he said, well, I came up with a theory and I found out at the end that, you know, it's not valid or it's, it doesn't work. But I said, well, it's still a result. And I mean, mm. you still should be proud of it that you set up this theory and you went through it. And because then, you know, it shows others that, well, maybe you should look for a different theory because this one doesn't work so that other people won't do it again. I mean, it's quite time consuming to come up with a theory, test it and then see how it works. Yeah. Uh, so I think also negative results are very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. And also to reproduce results, obviously. So I, I, I think it's important that more than one group tests with, for example, a specific algorithm if something worked. Okay. Yeah. So we can probably look at reproducing the imaging of a black hole sometimes, <laughs> and then maybe looking at uh, different uh, uh, galactic nuclei where they may be hiding. Yeah, but I think that's probably it for our webcast this week. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I think we're gonna we'll wrap things up now. Thank you very much for listening, um, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.